Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and as always, Mr. David Buggle and from the BigKickoff.com, Peter Moore. Now, on Sunday evening, the Champions League final took place between Bayern Munich and PSG. Here's the chance for Koeman! And there's the opening goal of the Champions League final. And it's the best passage of play we've seen so far from Bayern Munich. And the player selected tonight by Hansi Flick to come into the starting 11 has repaid the faith of his manager, Paris Saint-Germain nil, Bayern Munich won. Yes, Bayern won their sixth Champions League title thanks to a Kingsley Coleman single-headed goal that got them over the line. Dave, it wasn't the goal fest that many had expected it to be. No, it unfortunately it, it kind of turned into a, a typical final, you know, as usual. Um, as much as we all hope it'll be a kind of a, a gung-ho affair, we should have really realised that it'll be a slightly tapered version, but it was even more tapered than usual. Look, we all know teams give everything in the semis because it's the worst hurdle to fall on. Um, but as finals go, I still would say it was enjoyable. I still think there was enough in it because, as I said, it was a typical final. But I just thought there was enough in it. There was enough attack and play. There was enough little weak links on both sides where they were trying to chip away at them. Um, a bit of a chess game, but a fun one. A um, couple of decent chances. It wasn't a complete stalemate. Uh, and then Bayern just had enough in them. And PSG... When they went 1-0 down, unfortunately, they became a bit more disappointed. And it got a bit panicky, a bit disjointed. The guys who you'd look to didn't really come to the fore as they were when it was at nil all. So a little bit disappointed after the response of PSG. But as finals go, decent, but not what we... We should have we should have seen that it wasn't going to be a, a, the dream, dream final that we thought. But as, the, as finals go, it was decent. Yeah, Peter, it started quite well for Paris Saint-Germain. They had some great chances to take the lead, a bit like Leon in the semi-final, but they never took advantage of their positive start in the game. No, you're right. And against a side like Bayern Munich, you, you have to take chances, don't you, Roy, to be honest with you. Um, I, I tend to go along with what they were saying. I think it was a little bit cagey, wasn't it, early on in particular. You, you just felt that the game needed a goal. And you're right, PSG certainly had those chances earlier on. The big guns that power thought in the first half certainly turned up. I wouldn't say so much so in the second half, no, admittedly, but certainly in the first half he did, yeah. And, of course, if PSG had scored first, we could have been talking about a different game. You're quite right. Mm. But you just felt that once um, uh, Bayern Munich did eventually score, and I think personally it, it, it had to fall to the guy, in my opinion, who was, who was the man of the match, uh, Kingsley Coman, I, I think it was terrific. Uh, in Sunday's final, uh, Apple had a great cross. Uh, and you just felt then that once Bayern got their noses in front, that they're the sort of side, aren't they, in particular, that they don't let leads slip, um, as has been proved by, what was it, something like 22 consecutive wins now in all competitions. I mean, that proves its own story, doesn't it, really? And as I say, w- once they were ahead, uh, I go along what Dave said, PSG sort of, I think their heads dropped a little bit. Dave's mm. right. The big guns uh, certainly didn't perform. Neymar looked totally lost, I think, in the second half. Ditto for Mbappe as well. Uh, much of that you have to praise on Bayern Munich, I think, tactically-wise. I think uh, their manager got it spot on, Hansi Flick, most definitely. And, um, yeah, as I say, you're right, Roy. You know, it's like all finals. You get one chance, put it away, 
uh, all of a sudden, from nil-nil, one-nil, the game opens up a little bit. And that's exactly what happened when Bayern Munich scored. Yeah, the game did start flowing. It did open up. Uh, but like I say, I think Bayern, even with one nil up, you just felt that if anyone was going to get a second goal and totally kill off the game, it would have been Bayern Munich. Yeah, Dave, we talk about Alisson and Ederson an awful lot and how highly we rate them in world football, but Neuer showed you again, he's up there with the best and there's no doubt that he, that was a match-winning performance. I'm delighted because he was one of my top notes here, mate. It's as if you could read me mind. But it's basically exactly what you said there. Like, whatever about goalkeepers pulling off worldies and this, that and the other, the really top keepers are the ones who make little or no mistakes. And yesterday he did all the basics perfectly and made no silly mistakes and didn't do anything too crazy. But he did what he had to do and it really just showed the composure. Well, we all famously know what happened with the likes of your Cariuses a couple of years ago. The difference that that can make if he had a fluff his lines. But him and the, and the rest of the guys, 95, maybe even 99% of the season, don't make them mistakes and that's why they're as good as they are. It doesn't always be the top corner um, reaching reach uh, a full stretch one. He just was solid, done his job and kind of was, positionally he was very strong yesterday, obviously with the Neymar chance in the first half and a few others. So it just goes to show you the value of these keepers that it's not necessarily the, the headline grabbing saves, but it's just the basics and doing them literally near perfect as for an entire season. So a top performance by him. As much as Coleman's getting the plot, it's, there was definitely, I would tip me hat to Neuer that he did his job and did it very well. Yeah, 100%. Peter, the first half had all the action and the second PSG seemed to run out of ideas, like you said, and Bayern were just their efficient selves and, and seeing out the game. But the season, the way the season went for PSG, they didn't get to finish off their league. Mbappe was coming back from injuries. Do you think that kind of told on them in the end? Yeah, I think it did. And I think what also... Uh, totally went against them in particular was the fact experience in, in Champions League finals. I mean, they haven't won the Champions League, remember? And they just showed, I think on Sunday, they just lacked that uh, uh, experience. Obviously, Bayern have had plenty of experience getting two finals. Um, this is their, was it their sixth win now. So, you know, it goes without saying that that, I think, helped immensely in particular. And of course, you, you there was stages in that game, I think, on Sunday, where PSG did look a little bit nervous, a little bit scared, a little bit frightened. You no, know, that they, as I say, they just didn't have that composure. Whereas Bayern, throughout 90 minutes, you, you, you'd probably have to turn around and say, for the vast percentage of that, they just showed that extra little bit of class, that extra little bit of experience, been there, done it. They knew exactly what to expect. Whereas I think PSG was the complete opposite more than anything else. And um, it, it, yeah, you, people can probably turn around and say, well, you know, you, you, PSG, they spent a huge amount of money, which they have admittedly, obviously to try and go on and win a Champions League. That's backfired. Whether or not it's going to happen in the future, they possibly may be a Champions League winners. But you've got to get the likes of Neymar to perform for 90 minutes. He didn't yesterday. Mbappe. Likewise, they've got to perform in finals for 90 minutes. Mbappe's, remember, has done it for France in a World Cup. Yes, true. But he's also got to do it at club level. And those type of performers really have to go out there, uh, prove their worth by far and away. And to be honest with you, they certainly didn't yesterday. 
Yeah, Dave. Bayern, a strong outfit. They have uh, Perisic, Gnabry, Coleman, and now Leroy Sané is coming into the Bayern squad. Where does he fit in? Top <laughs> uh, Sané, you'd say straight away in the start of the eleven, but at the same time, I presume he'll play on the left-hand side, but then you've got the competition of Gnabry and Kingsley Coleman, which obviously he uh, cemented his place, I suppose, uh, or a, a, a nice headache yesterday. Now, will he maybe put Sani out on the right to and to kind of come in, which they tend to do a lot now, kind of put the right footers out on the left and the left footers out on the right so that they can come in and either kind of be like a second striker where they can come in and take some shots or obviously to be providers as well. So unless that's the thinking process behind us, um, otherwise there's three left wingers out there because that's where Perisic has been as well. So I'm not saying that's exactly what they're going to do, but just maybe that's the possibility because there was rumours of Coleman potentially being up for grabs and there was rumours of United this year. So as much as them rumours were around, that could easily go out the window now and he, he obviously showed his class in the biggest game there is. And there would have been a lot of pressure on him. 22 years of age, you know, he wasn't in the side, but he's been brought in to do a job. And not only did he do the job, but he did it with flying colours. So, you know, there's rumours, obviously, even Thiago sticking around now, obviously. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see if that where Sane might end up playing more so on the right-hand side and competing with Nabry. But just pure raw pace on that side, you know, it'll be frightening. And obviously the categories. <laughs> the cat's back uh, Peter where does this leave PSG and, and how did they turn themselves into champions of Europe what type of players did they need <laughs> oh, very good question Roy um, I suppose some people would say look when you've got Neymar you've got Mbappe you've got quality there you should be producing obviously they're not it's as simple as that no what type of players do they need oh it's difficult to say, Roy. I mean, you, you can sit down and say, look, when you've got a world-class player like Mbappe, uh, and he is a world-class player, that's fairly obvious, uh, he, he will produce. I'm not, I'm not saying he won't produce, he will produce. Yeah, you, possibly you might need two or three more Mbappe-type players, I think, to really get PSG uh, up to the greats of the Bayerns and the, and the Barcelonas in the past, the Real Madrid, etc. as well, yeah. I mean, it's not, remember, that, that PSG haven't got the money to do so. They could go out, to be honest with you, and almost compete as, as high as what Manchester City could also as well. Um, really, it's, it's, it's not so much about throwing money at trying to get big players. It's trying to get certain type of players in. And it's difficult to say. I mean, it, you know, you look at their firepower up front, Roy, and in anybody's eyes, the front three is it, good. It, it should be producing... It's, it's got quality. It, it might lack a little bit of experience in the case of Mbappe. Yeah, true. But at the end of the day, it should still produce. Well, it, it, it hasn't produced. All right, it's got them to a Champions League final. And, you know, things have gone slightly different yesterday. We could even be sitting here saying they are going to be, and deservedly so, as, as uh, Champions League winners. But to be honest with you, no, that wasn't the case yesterday. So... <sighs> Individual players, I don't know. It's difficult to say, really. You know, do they, Peter, could they get the open checkbook out? Yeah, could they? Look, you look at uh, Di Maria. He's been around a long time. He's not getting any better. Yeah. 
uh, Thiago Silva being around a long time, not getting any better. Are they the players that maybe that they need to pass on and 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 try and get new fresh blood in there? Yeah, possibly, Roy. But again, it all begs the question: who is available? Uh, I mean, obviously, if PSG came in for a young talent, then that young talent, I'm pretty certain, would not turn around and, and turn around and admit to say, "Well, no, I'm not. I don't want to go to a club like PSG." No, I mean that. I don't think that's the problem as such. I think Di Maria, personally, yeah, all right, he is getting on. True. Remember, he had a great semi-final. Perhaps a few people have forgotten about that already. Also, but I still think he's got talent there. Yes, he is aging, true. You still need a little bit of experience. But at the, at the end of the day, yeah, you're right. I mean, as I said, I don't know whether or not they would they go down the route of getting rid of the experienced guys and ending up perhaps blooding in some up-and-coming young players. But like I said, I think the big problem, Roy, is who's around out there, you know, who... Yes, they've got the money to buy anybody, like the City situation is. Yeah, I mean, that has been proved. It's like anything, you've got to get the right type of players, haven't you? And you've got to get them, to be fair, who would actually come there and who is readily available at the moment. I, I can't think of any young, real scoring talent at the moment that would mm. probably commit themselves to PSG, even though, as I keep saying, yeah, they have got that, plus side of having money in the bank quite readily to go out probably and splash out. But realistically, yeah, who's around at the moment and who could turn their season around? It's very, very difficult to say. Yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll give you that as your homework next week, Peter. Who is going to do it for PSG next week? <laughs> okay, listen, I'm, I'm Friday night, the Europa League final between Inter and Sevilla provide us with the goals we thought we might have seen in Portugal. Of course, it is towards that back post. And it's turned into the back of the net as well. Sevilla are ahead again. Diego Carlos, who was the villain at one end, is the hero at the other one. Spectacular bicycle kick, it deflected and in, and Sevilla, the specialists of the Europa League, lead again here. Dave, this is a cracking game, end-to-end, and the Spanish side making this a record six wins. They really know how to win this trophy, don't they? 100%, as we know. I think they won three in a row only a couple of years ago, and a certain well-known famous Irish bookmaker knew exactly what they were talking about. One of my mates put up a lot of uh, pictures of betting slips with all different combinations for Inter because he had basically, they would uh, pay back all money if uh, if Inter didn't uh, or if Inter lost or whatever it was. But put it this way, even the bookies knew you don't back against the, the guy who has been there and done that. And in fairness, they did it again, you know. And, and it does it does have a bear, a bear in effect. Even if these guys weren't in the final it's the tradition within the club. This is the trophy we win. And that confidence would have been there from the start. And uh, it was a cracking game. Very tip for Tad. Obviously, Lukaku, it was, a, it was a definite penalty. You can't complain about that. Then they got one within, I think it was five or six minutes, Luke De Jong came in. Then he got one. And literally, they tipped off in the next attack goal. And it was, first half was superb. Very much tip for Tad. And then it became a bit of a typical final in the second half. But, at the same time, it, it got what, exactly what we wanted. And poor Lukaku missing a one-on-one and then a couple of minutes later knocking one in. Uh, yeah, I feel for him. But as one of the guys said, who, who's a United uh, fan, um, a mate of mine, you know, that's 
Lukaku in a nutshell when it comes to the D D very big games according to him. Like he didn't do a hell of a lot at the at the top of United, but the guy gets goals. But is he does he really? I know he got the penalty, but does he get it in the business end? Potentially not. Any other game in a mid in a mid season game, he probably slots that one in, and that's what he was questioning. I'm not 100 percent sure because I didn't see a lot of them uh, inside out every weekend, week out. But the guy does get goals. There's no denying that. But It'd be interesting to see what your take of it is because you probably see a bit more of United and potentially seen a bit more of him. But he's a legend that when it comes to the very big games, he's a bit lacking. But he seems to rack up his goals when it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really count. So I, I wouldn't mind hearing your take on that, mate. Yeah, well, I'm actually going to pass the book because I was going to ask Peter. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, he's been on fire this year for Inter and he scored, obviously, again, the final, Peter. So there's many suggestions, like Dave was talking about there, that maybe Man United made a mistake to let him go. What's your thoughts on that? Well, uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, really? Um Yeah, perhaps it was a mistake. I suppose if you look back on it now, you'd probably have to turn around and put your and say yes it was a clear mistake but as I say you know hindsight we could talk about that all year long really I think it was a big mistake in the end yeah true and obviously he's proved his worth hasn't he really uh, more than anything else so um, but it's difficult isn't it really you know you <laughs> Manchester United are probably in a position where at the time they had a very large squad they were looking to offload players in particular and at the end of the day, all right, sometimes, we've, like a lot of clubs, sometimes you offload the wrong type of players, don't you, really? Other times you don't. And to be fair to them, it was a mistake, wasn't it, really? I mean, that you know, so far that has been proved by far and away. And, and I expect that United will probably sit back sometime and think to themselves, yeah, it was a wrong decision. We should have not have done that. We, we, we did it. Uh, we made a mistake. It's our loss and, and Inter's game. Yeah, yeah I, I'm. I'm not so sure that it was a mistake. I think it was a. It was brilliant for Inter to get him. I think he's done a fantastic job for them. He does score goals. If Solskjaer believes that it doesn't suit the type of game that he wants, which is kind of uh, an interaction between the three forward players rather than a, a lone striker who sits up there and waits for it, and when Lukaku was playing up there. The ball didn't stick all the time. He wasn't his, his first touch wasn't always brilliant. So and counter attacking style, which Manchester United even played, it, it, it probably didn't suit Lukaku. Well, that's what Solskjaer's thoughts were. So I don't see it as a problem. The front three with United scored a bag full of goals since Solskjaer took over since Christmas, anyhow. But since Solskjaer has taken over, so not necessarily a mistake, but maybe a look into Lukaku and saying, okay, listen, you're better than. You're better than what you're showing. Maybe you should step it up. If he can go back to Spain or if he can go back to England um, and score the goals that he's scoring over in Italy, well, then he'll be a better player for it. But at the moment, Italy, I wouldn't say, is the, the strongest league out of all the big leagues. So uh, he's gone somewhere. His confidence is going to be great. He's going to play against good defenders. Not necessarily thinking that Manchester United made a mistake, but not necessarily thinking Inter made one either. Okay, now, would you believe that it's that time of the season again? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's crazy to think it, but the domestic season only finished four weeks ago and the Champions League only just finished yesterday. And this Saturday, Arsenal and Liverpool are going to battle it out in the season's opener of the Community Shield at Wembley. Dave, it's a quick turnaround. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just nuts because it's like, well, no, what are we doing? Are we... Uh, are we are we sticking to what we have? Are we apart from the left back? Are we freshening up? And then not only that, it's like as you said, Champions League just finished, and all of a sudden it's like Jesus, Liverpool are playing on Saturday, um, madness. But not only that, City, United, Wolves, they're going to start their season a week later. We won't talk about Harry Maguire, but there's the players are out on holiday in with some clubs while Liverpool have been back for three weeks. It's it's going to be a very interesting start to the season with some potential banana skins with underprepared teams or you know not your stereotypical uh, pre-season because just for example for Liverpool now I think they've been back two weeks they play on Saturday um, in the charity shield I'm nearly sure then it's an international break so they will lose the majority of their squad as it, as will others and then they'll probably be back for a few days and bang there you go it's Leeds and Anfield best of luck so for everybody, not just the guys who are better prepared, which would be the likes of your Liverpool and Arsenal, whose season finished when it did, it's going to be a, a funny season for everybody. Um, but certainly United City and, to a lesser extent, Wolves, it'll be interesting to see how they kick off. Granted, they're a week later, but it's just a very strange time. And will players be, as much as the managers will be, will the players be bang at it from the get-go? So I think the first couple of weeks could be very, very strange. Anyone, If a team wins with over 90 points, I'd be re- very, very impressed. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a crazy season, it's a crazy start as well. Even though you know those three teams that you mentioned are starting later, they, they've had they won't have had as much rest as the other teams. So absolutely. Um, so what problems is this going to create? More injuries or clubs? Do they need bigger squads? Are, are the teams with the the smaller squads going to suffer? Potentially, and uh, the Premier League are sticking to three subs as well, which is very interesting. Um, I presume once the decision has been made, it stays. So without a shadow of a doubt, obviously, regardless of what way the season goes, you expect the big boys to be up where they're supposed to be. But the gap could be quite big this year with with the whole, as you said, the squad piece. And very much, you know, City would have the best squad without a shadow of a doubt. So you'd fancy them to be okay. And that could be what could be the making of them uh, against the likes of Liverpool this year. As much as Liverpool have arguably the best team, as in the team ethic and how they work, but squad-wise, they'd still be a couple of players short, in my opinion. So it could be very interesting like for the likes of themselves, as much as they take the strength and conditioning and the, the sports science side of it very seriously. But um, the likes here, Chelsea's are slowly but surely picking up some of these players. I know they're still young and up and coming, but it could be a good that could be a good reason for them to keep it nice and fresh at the start of the season and hopefully pick up the points as you go along. So it just makes... The squad just so much more important this year than any other season, as you said there, Roy. Especially now the fact that they're sticking with the tree. They can't just take off a whole midfield or a whole front line after an hour and keep things fresh. Like they have to they have to be very clever in what they do. And as I said, the international start as well. It's 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 gonna be very strange. And Champions League comes back in, in in October, which I presume is going to be the same group format. So the first from now till Christmas could be very congested and as you say very interesting to keep bodies fresh and keep them healthy yeah Peter Manchester City amazingly are favourites to win the Premier League while Liverpool are 6-4 to four. how is this possible? 
I think the bookmakers have probably called it right, to be honest with you. Um, I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. We'll go and put your money on at six to four. I dare you. Um, <laughs> no, um, no, seriously. Um, I, and I, I, I totally 100% go along spot on with Dave's point there. Uh, squads are going to be imperative with this coming season because I think there's going to be situations where you're going to have a lot of injuries. As Dave said, you know, players virtually are just coming back from a couple of weeks, uh, well, whether it be holiday, rest or whatever, call it what you want, as the case may be. Some of them, as you said, have been back training for a week or so. Uh, they're going to be shoved straight into the action. It's going to be very competitive. It, you're right, it's going to be a lot of, I think, twists and turns, a few surprises. But all in all, the main point is going to have to be the squad system. Yes, you know, mm. Dave's called that spot on. And uh, that's hence the reason why Manchester City are obviously going to be clear favourites. And I think most pundits already would probably say that City will be deserved favourites and probably City have a better chance than Liverpool. I, again, Dave is right. You know, Liverpool, you look at their actual squad overall, it's certainly got the makings of uh, the chance of winning and, and hanging on to that so Premier League title, winning it two seasons running. But, again, squads are going to be so, so, so important by far and away. So, yeah, I, I think the bookmakers, I mean, let's face it, bookmakers are normally very rarely wrong, it has to be said. You know, yeah, all right, they do make the odd mistake with the Leicester's situation true. But overall, realistically, they don't normally get it wrong. And uh, I think Manchester City, deservedly so, will be favourites. Also, remember, Manchester City, by losing out to Liverpool last season, that hurt them badly. They, yeah. they really did make that situation. And they really found out then that that was a situation they didn't want. They desperately wanted to win that Premier League. All right, admittedly, yeah, OK, yes, of course, they were a long way behind Liverpool, understandably so. So... They're going to be wanting to come out of those blocks very, very quick, and they are going to be wanting to wrestle that Premiership title back from Anfield over to the Etihad. And uh, I think myself, I'm sorry, I'm going to upset Dave now, but they are. I, I just think Manchester City mm. will go on and win the Premiership next season because I think they've got everything in their favour. Yeah, uh, the bookies also put Manchester City favourites for the Champions League just gone, so. They won't mm. always get it right, yeah. but the, the squad thing is it, it is certainly yeah. an advantage because Liverpool's squad, Dave, isn't exactly, let's put it this way, the four or five that you bring in don't don't always do the job that the four or five yeah. come out to. Exactly. Like the prime example, now this is just front tree-wise, prime example, Manny, Salah and, and Firmino, you take them out and all of a sudden, uh, I'm not sure whether Shakiri's going to be around, but say you put in Shakiri, Yuriki, and Oxley Chamberlain or whoever, maybe it's 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 night and day, mate. Well, with City, you put in Sterling, Aguero, and Mares. You can then put in Jesus, um, Jesus Bernardo, Bernardo Silva, and say for example this season you could have put in Sane. Like that's the difference. Mm. Like I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but it's very close to your front three and it's the same in midfield they pretty much have two for every position and they're nearly as strong as each other. Liverpool can certainly not say that um, so in that instance I, I, I can't both agree with Peter whether I like it or not um, the only way that we could say we'd be the, be the favourites for the league is if they kind of just focused on it and said right we're going to go and try and do it again and 
anything else as a bonus, but that's the only way and potentially try and rest and uh, swap players and take gambles in the FA Cups and League Cups and Champions Leagues, but you don't want to be doing that either because you can see with City, you can't go for everything. So the only way that Liverpool would be potentially joint favourites or even favourites again is if they were not telling us, but kind of saying, right, we want to retain this title and we will play the strongest eleven as much as we can in this and take the gamble everywhere else. Yeah. But um, if they were trying to win everything like everyone else is trying to do, without a shadow of a doubt, City have the better squad. And I, that's the educated reason, the educated guess and why the, the bookies have them as favourites. And yeah. I, I unfortunately, I'd agree. OK, let's do a little bit of transfer talking. Yes, this week, Dutchman Ronald Koeman took over as manager on a two-year contract at Barcelona. Peter, is this a good fit for both club and manager? Well, let's put it this way. Um, it's a it's a big step for him, I think, by far and away. Uh, remember, he was Dutch the team manager uh, for a couple of years. We all know he's managed in the Premier League at Southampton and Everton. Okay, he's a former Barcelona uh, player, remember, as well. Um, the question will be, I think, in particular, can Koeman turn Barcelona around to what the side they used to be? And more importantly, what's going to happen in the situation with Messi? Can he convince him to stay or not? I think you know that's going to be two really tough decisions for him to try and sort out early on. I think it is a good move. Yes, I think he's the type of manager who can get the best out of a club, but most importantly, I think he's got to rectify those two major issues in particular. And I think the most important one is the Messi situation. He's got to sort that out right at the start of his uh, campaign with uh, Barcelona. Yeah, Dave, it was said today that Barcelona are willing to let Luis Suarez off on a free. Is that a good move yeah. or a bad move for Barcelona? And uh, who do you think would snap him up anyhow if he did go? Uh, there'd definitely be, well, uh, at the same level as Barcelona... I'd say he'd be doing well, but definitely the guys underneath would certainly still be bringing in somebody of his calibre because the guy still knows how to put in the net. But obviously he doesn't have the air of pace, as I mentioned last week. While, like as I said, if they, if 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 um, Barca had somebody with the pace of Mbappe up front, they would have got in behind the Bayern defence a couple of times. But you can see he just doesn't even have the gears that he used to have. But um, the guy still knows how to put it in, and obviously he's a great, uh, a bit of a mini playmaker as well. It's the right thing to do. Could they have cashed in on him? Maybe, but by all accounts, the wage bill needs to come down. He's on massive money. Uh, the rumours from the respected Spanish journalists today are kind of saying Koeman does have the sole control. I know we speculated last week about the whole president come in and they try and kind of get in their guy, but by all accounts, Koeman has very much got the final say, which would be very interesting. A lot of rumours today. But in relation to Suarez... Definitely, there'll be plenty of people out there. Even the likes of you are in America, there's a certain place down in Miami which big Hispanic element down there. And with David Beckham, he could easily lure him in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised there. But there is definitely a home for him somewhere, but probably not at the top of the table, as in the Europe's top elite now would probably snap him up at this stage. I, but the I rumors are abound. Su- I wouldn't be surprised, Dave, if there was a one-year yeah. contract there with uh, with the Foxes in England. 
Leicester City snap him up for, for a one year contract it, it could it could work couldn't it why not uh, why not like that's what I'm saying it's the level underneath and Leicester technically with the league position there that level underneath and the way they play he plays pretty football Brendan Rodgers obviously the history there absolutely and, and, and that'll definitely be mooted around and 100% um, and, and, and it's a bit similar with the rumours for Barcelona with the likes of Wijnaldum only being a year left in his contract and obviously from the Dutch national team and that's where that's where these rumours come from and they're probably potentially very likely so yeah you could be dead right there just a, an old head to really kind of help and then even to help well I know Jamie Vardy's kind of unfortunately 32 or 33 but you never know he could help him and other guys just show them just being on the pitch like on the training pitch showing them, them little nuggets that they could start taking away from from uh, as well and, and start improving themselves because certain players just kind of do raise your game and people, especially at Leicester, would certainly uh, step up uh, when he could, when he arrives, if he did. That's a good rumour. I like that. Yeah, pass it on. Okay, I suppose when you look at Ronald Koeman and the word is is that, again, you uh, alluded to it there, there's a presidential election, I think it's next April. There was talk that Ronald Koeman was only being brought in on a two-year contract and they were going to let him take over for one year and pay him up on the second year because whoever gets well, in as president is going to have to take uh, give the promises out of getting this man or that man in. So, And this yeah. seems to be a, a broad sort of idea that's out there among uh, different Spanish journalists. So on the, on the back of that, yeah. you, you wonder what Ronald Koeman, maybe just the lure of Barcelona is too much. He probably thinks if he gets that one year under his belt and he does it fantastically well, they might not be able to turn him down. So that's, that's going to be an interesting one to have a look at. Peter, uh, Havertz to Chelsea. Yeah, it looks like a done deal by far and away. 90 million sounds a lot of money. Uh, but remember, Chelsea uh, certainly not, uh, afraid at the moment to uh, splash the cash, so to speak. Admittedly, they're going to start offloading people to compensate for that, which is uh, fully understandable there. But um, he's going to be signed from Bayer Leverkusen. Remember, Bayer Leverkusen obviously aren't the, uh, the star act around Germany by far and away, but they've certainly, in my opinion, got a very, very good star player. Um, so that's almost certainly done and dusted as we speak, Roy, by far and away. And again, it looks like Frank Lampard's got a big say in these signings by far and away. And at the moment, he's already beginning to build on paper, potentially, what looks like a very, very good side that's going to challenge the likes of City and uh, Liverpool next season. So, yeah, I think it's a good signing overall, uh, is uh, Havertz. Yeah, and they're talking about Ben Chilwell and Thiago yeah. Silva m- maybe surrounding him as well. So, yeah, there's a squad being built. And, maybe, and as we were just alluding to, the squads uh, that's needed to do something in the Premier League, maybe that's what Frank is looking at. Dave, you're talking about Edward to Aston Villa. Yeah, the £30 million rumor that Villa are going to come in with a £30 million bid for the, the, the 22-year-old French striker. Um Bags of goals at Celtic, it's 30 million isn't the most intimidating figure around when it comes to the Premier League. Maybe for Villa it would be, but it's one good business potentially for Celtic after he came in on a free, if I'm right in saying that, didn't he, Roy? I think he came in on a free. I don't know if he came um, in on a free. They got him on loan initially and yeah. then paid it. Maybe it was a small fee. But anyway, good business. Maybe 
if it was not Celtic and somewhere in another league, they probably would get a bit, get a bit more. But it'd be similar to what they would have got for Moussa Dembele, who obviously has a, had had a decent run with Leon. I know he's in and out of the Champions League run. You know, for thirty million, I don't think it's the biggest risk in the world. And if he can bring some of them goals down, if he can get anything around the fifteen mark, say next year, if he was to come in, that'd be a big success. Because to be honest, all he has to do is get around ten, and he's way ahead of what they already had. But if they can get that kind of close to 15, 20 goals a season striker, they won't be uh, celebrating as hard in the very last game of the season for staying up because they should be well up before that because that's obviously a big thing in, in relation to the guys at the bottom. If you can get a striker who's scoring goals for you when it really matters and getting that vital chance. So it's a bit of both where I think it could be a great move for uh, for Villa and a nice bit of business and a nice profit for Celtic. Yeah, it was a season-long loan and then a £9 million fee when he joined, nine million, yeah. yeah. So, but nine million these days is a snip for if, if the player turns out to be a player yeah. that Edward has been. Okay, listen, that's us for the week. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back next week, and there's going to be. You would think that the season's over and that we'd have nothing to talk about. But that's not the way the world works now. Internationals so, are back next week, for God's sake. And the internationals are back. So listen, we'll be talking to you next week. Dave, Peter, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You're welcome. Yeah, take care.